0: This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3126 for Monday the 27th of July 2020. Today's show is entitled, Metrics Part 2. It is hosted by Andrew Conway, and is about 33 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, the metric of a 2D curved surface. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org.
1: This is McNallu, and this is the second part in my series, well it might just be two parts, who knows, uh, on metrics. So, uh, there is a first part, um, and it was show 3101. I was slightly excited for a moment when I thought 3101 was a prime number, but it turns out you can divide it by 7, so that excitement was short-lived one day. I'll get a show that's a prime number. Well, mind you, I might have been on one already. I've not checked all of them. anyway, I digress almost immediately. So what my show was about was it was describing the concept in mathematics of a metric, and I think it's a concept that goes beyond mathematics like many things mathematics uh, does or do um, now the I say I described it very sh- in very shorthand terms as the metric is like a mathematical ruler and what that means is that in you just specify a position in coordinates and you specify another position in some a set of coordinates too and the metric will take those coordinates and tell you the distance between those two points that is essentially what it does Well, there's a bit more to it than that, in that you also have to define metrics over very, very, very tiny distances. So small that they're very small, (laughs) but they're not actually zero. So it's the opposite idea of an infinity, a number so big that it's bigger than any number you care to imagine, but isn't actually a number. Okay, so... Yeah, so metrics really describe infinitesimal distances, which is a very strange concept, but you'll see why that matters. Because in some cases, like the one I'm going to talk about today in a minute, it really does matter where you are. Distance, we think of distance as, you know, just a distance between two points. Well, that's true, but your coordinates will change and give you different distances depending on where you are. Uh, and that is the point I'll come to in a minute. So that's why it's important to talk about things what's called locally. You can only talk about infinitesimal, very small changes in distance. You can build, measure any distance you want, but you have to build that up by looking at adding up lots of small distances. Or small changes in coordinates. Um, the last time I looked really at a flat surface and I said that you had Cartesian coordinates that were x and y and they were the simplest, their metric is Pythagoras. That has a strange property that it is global, it is true everywhere. Pythagoras can The Pythagoras uh, theorem can be used to construct a metric where the distance between any two points is the difference, well, the difference between any two points squared is equal to the sum of their x-coordinate difference squared plus the y-coordinate difference squared. Um, so it's just Pythagoras, uh, three, th- uh, three sides of a right angle triangle. Now, that isn't all the most convenient coordinates used. You could use polar coordinates, which is essentially like a, a distance and a bearing, uh, or a direction measured as an angle. Um, and if you do that, then you still talk about a flat surface, but then you get a coordinate, that the, the, the angle, uh, that depends on your radius, how far away you are from the origin of your coordinate system. Um, So that very simple example illustrated where you might not want to use x and y coordinates, you might choose polar coordinates, but then your metric becomes complicated and a change in angle will, as I say, depend on your other coordinate, your radius, and that complicates things. Now, that's a choice that you might choose to make in a flat 2D surface, but in other, in fact, just about every other case you can imagine, uh, every other kind of two D surface that's not flat, you just can't use a pair of x and y coordinates. It's impossible. You could use it locally, but you can't extend that globally because if you've got a curved surface, you can't use x and uh, you can't just use x and y because it depends where in the surface you are and how it curves at that particular point in the surface. That's the short explanation. But um, let me press on and talk about a particular. Uh, Curved surface. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Um, you might think you're going to guess what it is, but you'll have to think through this little puzzle that I'm setting you. Um, well, it almost sounds like a paradox, but it isn't because it, I will immediately explain why it, it might be surprising. So I would ima- ask you to imagine that you are standing on some curved surface and you don't know what it is. Uh, but you know that it may look flat locally, like standing on the earth, but in fact, it isn't flat; it's curved. And then you decide; you pick a direction, and you can pick any direction. This will work. Whatever direction you decide to to move in, and you move, let's say, x kilometres. Now it doesn't matter exactly what x is right now; just that it is x. And then, after you've walked x kilometres in a direction of your choice, you can choose any direction you like. You turn right by you make a ninety-degree right turn, and then. You walk any distance you like, it can be one step, you can get in a plane and fly uh, for 10 hours, it doesn't matter, you can just travel any distance you like. And then at some point, you stop, you turn right, and then you travel X kilometers again. And you are absolutely guaranteed, on the surface that I'm describing, to be back where you started. Okay, so you've picked the direction, any direction, you've gone X kilometres, you then turn right, then you travel any distance you liked, and then you turn right again, and walk X kilometres, or move to X kilometres again, and you're back where you started. What kind of curved surface is that? Well, actually, there's more than one type of curved surface it could be, but the one that uh, I actually mentioned it already, and I said I was going to talk about it, so you might have guessed it. I'm not talking about some like hyperdimensional sphere that you might find in a book by Stephen Hawking. No, I'm talking about the surface of the Earth. The surface of a sphere. Okay, the Earth isn't quite exactly spherical, but let's imagine it is. So first, we're talking about the surface of a sphere, like the Earth. Um, now, what I just described, as I described it, uh, actually will only work if the distance X is a quarter of the circumference of the Earth. So, the easiest way to imagine it is if you start at the pole of the Earth, and you walk, pick any direction you like, because at the pole, any direction you like is going to be south. (laughs) It has to be south, because at the North Pole, there is no other way you can move. And at the South Pole, you can only go north. And you move until you get to the equator. So that's a quarter of the Earth's circumference. And then you turn right, so you then walk around the equator, and you can go around the equator as much as you like, doesn't matter, and then you make another right turn, and then you'll be heading north, back back north, but not necessarily the same way you came, but you will, you're guaranteed, if you head north, you're guaranteed to arrive back at the pole. So that's how that works. Now, actually, there are ways to, to do something similar without being on the surface of a sphere, but I'm not interested in in talking about that. Incidentally the a quarter of the circumference of the earth is almost is very close to ten thousand kilometers. Just thought I'd mention that. Um, now the important thing about this is that if you think about it, in making this three legged journey with a ninety degree turn at each point in the journey, you have drawn what looks like a triangle on the surface of the Earth. And this triangle is called a, a spherical triangle. Um, now, there's a few things that are worth saying about this. Now, the first thing is the sides of this triangle are not straight lines. There are There's no such thing as a straight line on the surface of the Earth. You can't move, or you can't draw a straight line on the surface of the Earth. It's impossible. So the sides of this triangle are not straight lines, but they are um, uh, arcs. And Uh, I'll say say a little bit more about that in a minute. Now the other thing that's interesting about this triangle is it's got three angles at each corner and each one of them is 90 uh, degrees, Uh, well, sorry, actually the one at the top needn't be 90 uh, degrees but let's say that each side of the triangle that you've walked, and let's change the example a little bit, specify a bit more precisely that you walk a quarter of an Earth circumference on each side, so it's an equilateral triangle on the surface of a sphere, and uh, and what you will find is that the the triangle, what's called a spherical uh, triangle, that if you add up the angles, you get two hundred and seventy degrees in this example, and a. Uh, and if you know about normal triangles on a 2D flat surface, you would know that the angle of the triangle always adds up to 180 degrees. So this version of a triangle called the spherical triangle is, is different. Uh, it, it can have angles that add up to more than 180 degrees. The smaller the triangle gets, by the way, the closer the triangle's angles will be to adding up to 180 degrees, and the closer the sides of the triangle will look to being straight lines. That's just saying if you are working locally on the surface of a sphere on a small enough scale, much less than the radius of the Earth, then everything starts to look flat again. So that's all that is. Now, the reason I'm sort of laboring this thing about spherical triangle is so I can now make an important uh, um, analogy Uh, or draw your attention to a similarity that's, that's going on here. The sides of a triangle are straight lines. Straight lines are special in two-dimensional flat surfaces because they are the fastest way to get between any two points. So if you join any two points with a straight line, that is the fastest route between them. That is the shortest distance you need to travel to go from one point to the other. The same is true of the things that make up the sides of the spherical triangle. They're called arcs of great circles. And the great circle is to the sphere what the straight line is to a flat 2D surface. Um, And it's... um, A great circle, I should say, is any circle drawn on the surface of a sphere that has the same radius as the sphere. So for the Earth, the most famous example of a great circle would be the equator. Uh, And indeed, any... uh, and any two diametrically uh, opposite points on a sphere, so the two poles, for example, can be used to construct uh, a great circle that runs through both of them. Uh, and so you can imagine there's a great many um, uh, great circles that you can draw all over the uh, the surface of a sphere and the Earth. But only in, uh, we only have a, a name for one special one on the Earth, and that's the equator. Uh, you could argue that we have the Greenwich Meridian, but that's actually only half a circle. It's only half a great circle because the other half is on the back, and I think that's called the International Dateline So it's so we don't have a name for that whole great circle. I don't think, at least if there is, I've not heard it. Uh, so so that's the that's that little triangular walk was to introduce you to that idea. Now the important point there is I've introduced the idea of there's a special thing on your surface, a special shape, one-dimensional shape, that you can use to measure a special distance, the short, which is the shortest distance in the cases we're looking at. And for the flat surface, it's a line, for the sphere, it's the great circle. And there are a few things worth noting um, that, well, first of all, there's no such thing as parallel lines on the surface of a sphere. There's no, an a, no a, obvious analogue to that. Uh, you can get parallel lines on, the surface, on a flat surface, but on the surface of a sphere no lines are parallel. Uh, uh, no, well certainly, no, no, no two great circles can be parallel, that's what I mean. So let's move on from that uh, to the metric. So what is the metric for a sphere? Um, well let's start with the fact that we need to construct some coordinates in order to talk about metrics so the most obvious ones for the earth are are longitude and latitude so your latitude is the angular distance you are away from the equator so the equator is zero degrees and as you you go further north from the equator this angle is Increases until you finally get to 90 degrees north at the North Pole, and as you go south from the equator, that angle, latitude, decreases until you get to minus 90 degrees or 90 degrees south at the South Pole. And then the other angle you need to, to use is called the longitude, and we measure longitude from the line I've already mentioned, which is the Greenwich Meridian, which runs from the North Pole to the South Pole through for historical reasons, through uh, Greenwich in London. Uh, The French wanted it to run through Paris, but who had the bigger navy at the time? I'm quite sure that if we were, if the the, the Zero of Longitude was decided in the 20th century, it would have gone through Washington DC and if it was decided now, it could quite possibly go through Beijing. Anyway, whoever's got the biggest navy at the time (laughs) gets to decide where it goes, and it happened to be Uh, the british so it goes through london and greenwich and then we call it the Greenwich meridian or the prime meridian i think that was an attempt to uh, de-emphasize the geographical uh, geopolitical uh, significance of, of, of that meridian anyway so you draw this line and then if you're heading east or west you're Changing your longitude. So I'm currently sat actually very slightly west and uh, of, of the Greenwich Meridian. So I'm, I think, four degrees west uh, here in Glasgow in Scotland. Um, and then if you keep going west, eventually you'll, you'll get to uh, North America, uh, and then through the Pacific, and then you'll get to International Dateline, which is... Um, a longitude of either 180 degrees east or west, I uh, don't know which you would call it, actually. Uh, sometimes longitude is also defined as positive or negative, and it's positive going west, I think. But I usually like to specify west or east uh, to avoid having to remember which way is which. Uh, so those are our coordinates. So we need to work with those. Uh, now, what we want to do is... The metric will tell us, if we change our longitude and latitude by small amounts, what distance will we have moved? Okay, that is what the metric uh, is going to do for us. And you'll see, it'll be a nice example, better I think than the 2D one, of of why these have to be infinitesimal distances. These have to be very small distances. And it's, as I said before, it's because the change in distance depends where you are in the Earth. We'll see why. Now, let's first of all keep things simple. Let's fix one of the two coordinates. So let's fix longitude first. That's easier one to fix first. So we're going to be moving up and down the meridian. So let's just, for even greater simplicity, imagine we're on the Greenwich meridian, zero degrees longitude. It doesn't actually matter, but... I like to have a picture in my head. Um, and also, in this, I'll take you to come and visit me, uh, or at least visit the north of Scotland, probably, uh, probably closer to where my friend Kevy is than where I am. Anyway, that doesn't matter. What matters is that we can we're constraining ourselves to move along a line of longitude here. So we're going to vary latitude, but not change longitude. And it's actually quite simple. If we move in latitude by one degree uh and it doesn't matter where we are on the earth if we change our latitude by one degree we'll have moved 60 nautical miles okay and what is the definition of a nautical mile well it's actually 1.15 statutory normal miles or it's about 1.8 kilometers but actually This is the definition. What I'm talking about is the definition of the nautical mile. Because just like um, an hour, sometimes too long a period uh, for us to use, we like to divide it into 60 subdivisions called minutes. Astronomers in particular and and old old school nautical people do that with degrees as well. Because a degree is quite big. So you subdivide a degree into 60 arc minutes. And now you can see what I'm about to say, hopefully. That one arc minute... Change in latitude is always equal to one nautical mile. So the nautical mile is defined with this in mind. Uh, It just so happens that uh, a 60th of a degree on the Earth comes out as 1.15 nautical miles. Maybe there's some historical reason for the choice of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But it's not exactly a mile, is it? It's 1.15. So it's not, not, not not, not one for the numerologists out there. Anyway, now if you don't like that, if you want to work in kilometers or normal miles let's say kilometers because that's the um then it's actually not that difficult uh, you you take take your change in latitude you express it in radians so if you're working in degrees you multiply by pi and divide by 180 but you express your change in latitude in radians and then all you have to do is multiply by the radius of the earth which is 6400 kilometers and bingo you've got your distance And if you think about it, if you're changing latitude as 2 pi, that is, you've gone all the way around the Earth, you know, you've done a circumnavigation through the poles, so a change in latitude of 2 pi, then it's 2 pi times the radius, 2 pi times the radius is the circumference of the Earth. There you go. So, um, now I'm probably getting a bit off track here. Anyway, my point is that it's a very simple relationship, Uh, but let's stick with the arc minutes. Um, So, one arc minute. Change one arc minute of latitude equals one nautical mile. And that's latitude. We've done latitude. Okay, let's move on to longitude and let's now imagine we're on the equator of the Earth and we only move east or we move west. Okay, so um, we're on the equator. Now, the equator is a great circle, just like the the Greenwich Meridian is, is on a great circle. So the same thing applies, if we're just moving around the equator, one, uh, on a one arc minute change in longitude gives you one nautical mile. Okay, so, um, or if you prefer, you take the change in your longitude and radians, multiply by the radius of the Earth. Bingo! You've got your distance, you've, you've travelled. Okay. But this is where it gets complicated stroke. Interesting. Let's now imagine that you've come to visit me up in Glasgow, which is, okay, or maybe a bit further north than that, but let's say it's 60 degrees north on the Earth, and I'll tell you why it's 60 degrees north in a minute, why that'll make things a little bit simpler. Now, the first thing I'd like you to imagine is that we're, if we're moving in longitude on the equator, we're moving around a great circle, the circumference of the Earth. If we're moving around the circle of longitude that's at 60 degrees north, I think you can imagine that that's going to be a smaller circle, and indeed, if we went all the way to the, as we get closer and closer to the pole, that circle becomes smaller and smaller until at the pole, where, you know, our distance travelled is nothing because there's no, you can't define longitude at the pole. There's only, you've only got latitude of ninety degrees, and there's no longitude you can talk about. As soon as you step away from the pole, you've got a longitude, but on the pole, that's undefined. Anyway, so at 60 degrees north, it turns out that if you, into a little bit of uh, trigonometry, you can work out that the, the radius of that circle at 60 degrees north is exactly half that of the Earth's circumference. And that's because the, the size of the circle, the, the radius of this circle, scales as the cosine of the latitude. If you're into your trigonometry, and the cosine of 60 degrees is exactly a half, which is why I picked 60 degrees. Now, I think you can now see what I'm talking about. Because away from the equator, at a constant latitude, the circles get smaller and smaller as you get to the poles, and it's the same is true in the southern hemisphere of the Earth, and I'm obviously northern hemisphere centric. I, I admit that, I apologise. I do occasionally mention the southern hemisphere. Um, but I've And I've been there, but most of my life has been in the Northern Hemisphere, so yeah, another show there about Northern Hemispherism, or whatever you would want to call it. Anyway, the point being that a change in longitude away from the equator involves smaller and smaller distances as you get closer and closer to the pole. And you need to multiply by the cosine of your latitude. So we can fix this problem... We can now say that away from the equator, the distance travelled when you move or you change longitude by a certain amount is equal to the change in that longitude multiplied by the cosine of the latitude that you're at, and whatever that gives you is the distance that you've moved in nautical miles. And again, you can do the exact same thing. Um, You can express the change in longitude as radians, and then multiply by the radius of the Earth, then multiply by the cosine of the latitude. That works too. Okay, so I think you've hopefully got even if the trigonometry isn't to your taste, you've got the idea that the change in longitude depends on where you are on the Earth. It depends on your latitude. It doesn't depend on your longitude, it just depends on your latitude. So we can put all this together and uh, the metric for the surface of a sphere is as follows. So the change in well, sorry, the, 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 the distance the small distance traveled squared equals the change in your latitude squared, plus the change in your longitude, squared times the cosine of your latitude squared okay in other words what we've really done is applied pythagoras locally using everything that i've just talked through there um i'll try and put some diagrams in the show notes if i if i have time i can't promise it but i will try so because uh, i do appreciate it, it's quite difficult to to picture these things. I'm trying my best, but uh, I'm not very good at drawing pictures, but hopefully this is about, yeah, we were in HPR, so hopefully an audio verbal description is getting us somewhere. Right, now, uh, just to reiterate, for that to work, you need to express all your changes in longitude and latitude in arc minutes, and the distance that comes out the end of that will be... In nautical miles yeah and again you could use the radius of the earth and radians um, as we described as well uh, so um, that will let you measure the distance so if you talk about a small change in longitude and latitude that will allow you to measure the distance and that then if you Imagine a sort of complicated, wiggly path as you may, maybe you're in a sailing boat and you're sailing around the Earth in a wiggly, woggly fashion with the wind because your wind's blowing you around. Every day you could add up your little changes in longs and latitudes, calculate all the distances using that metric. And, and, and you know, it would work fine. You'd, you'd get there. You'd get, you'd get the correct distance that you'd travelled, that your fancy GPS device would tell you. But now you can do it using pen and paper, um, assuming you could actually work out. Uh, what longitude and latitude you were at at any given time, which might actually require a GPS device unless you're very skilled with your astronomical observations and had a good clock. So I want to end this little uh, tour of a, the flat surface of a sphere with by introducing you to the concept of geodesics. Now actually, I've already done it. The geodesic on a flat 2D surface is the straight line. The geodesic on the surface of a sphere is, yep, I think you probably guessed it, it's a great circle. Now, what I mean, but what word geodesic, uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know what the the, the geo means, Earth. Uh, Yeah, in the comments, please tell me what the desic bit means. I can't think off the top of my head what that means uh, from the Greek. But the concept of it is it's telling you what the special path is on the geometry of the surface that you're working on straight line for a flat for a sphere it's a great circle and the special thing about the geodesic is it it tells you what the ex, what's called the extremal path is and extremal in this case means extreme as in the extre- the, the shortest path so if you specify two points on a sphere The shortest distance between them is measured along a great circle. If you specify two points on a flat 2D surface the shortest distance between them is along a straight line. Now this actually starts to leak into our real world um, in that if you you are travelling in an ideal fashion on the surface of a sphere for example uh, or let's say, let's say we're, we're travelling on, on a flat surface with no friction or any other forces acting, then if you start moving and no other forces are acting and there's no friction or anything, you'll just keep going on going in that straight line. That's what's special. That's why it's called a geodesic. It's If nothing else is going on, that's where you're going. That's what's going to happen. That's where you're moving. On the surface of a sphere, if you pick a direction and start moving in it, and then no other forces act on you, you'll move at a constant speed along a geodesic, along a great circle. And of course this has a real life application, if you are running um, an airline company and you want to save fuel you do not want to fly our, um, along constant lines of latitude, no no no, you will want to fly uh, along great circles. As, you know, locally, you know, from short distances inside countries, probably not but certainly when you're going to thousands of kilometres and above, you definitely want to be flying along great circles unless it takes you over somewhere dangerous like, I don't know, South Pole North Pole, if there's a storm or something uh, well, no, you can fly over the North and South Pole what am I talking about, you can do it but you, I, I do remember during the Iraq War uh, us taking a very large dog leg around Iraq for, for obvious reasons when I was flying So, uh, the geodesics have this special uh, special property, but their importance is actually even deeper than that. They're linked closely to the geometry of the space-time that you're in. And in fact, in Einstein's theory of relativity, what that says is the presence of energy and mass is what dictates how space-time is curved. And then you can work out what the geodesics are, where, if there's no other forces acting, how a a test particle would move through space and time. Or I should say space-time, not space and time, space-time. So um, energy and mass tells space-time how to curve, and space-time, its curvature, then tells mass how to move. It, it, It literally dictates what the geodesics are. And here's the interesting, but this does away with the need for gravity. You don't need gravity in Einstein's theory of relativity. It's embodied in the nature of the curvature of space and time itself. And the path of any free object, freely moving object is one of these geodesics. So I think I'll leave it there. I've teased you a little bit about what, what this has to do with relativity. I think... Um, I got nice comments on the first show, so thank you to the various people who who said they liked it. If I see similar comments for this show, I probably, I probably will do another episode. I, I kind of feel in the mood to, to be honest. So I probably will, even if you... Unless you say you hate it, actually. If you say you hate it, I'll probably just go and cry somewhere. But otherwise, I probably will do another episode. And if I do another episode, it's going to be on a three-dimensional curved space. I've talked about two-dimensional curved space, and I have this lovely example called the surface of the Earth for you to to wonder about on. In three-dimensional curved space, our intuition fails us, and I have no example to talk about, and lots of really wacky, interesting things happen, and it won't matter that this is HPR and it's audio only, and I can't give you any diagrams. It will just be lovely. It will be great. I look forward to that, doing it myself, and hopefully you you people will enjoy listening to it if I get it right anyway until next time uh, thank you very much for listening and remember please do leave comments I like comments and this is HPR so please do uh, record a show if you've got something to add or correct about what I've just said thank you very much, bye bye